Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. Hey, C. Sparky Pfeiffer, welcoming another edition of Curd and Long, broadcasting from beautiful Hales Corners, Wisconsin. You can follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio. Ryan Horvat out today under the weather. Hopefully, he'll be feeling better by Monday when we get back at it again on Curd and Long. Don't forget, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays uh, by 5 o'clock Central Time. You can download the audio portion of Curd and Long. And normally, for most of these, we are live streaming. When I do a solo, I tend just to go to a production studio. I don't live stream it. I'm sorry. But I feel like nobody really wants to look at me talking to myself for you know 30 minutes or whatever the case may be. So, uh, lots to get to on today's uh, Curd and Long. Uh, let's first start off, before we get to training camp practices and so forth, let's start off talking about this, this Aaron Rodgers uh, deal uh, in New York. I was on the sports lead uh, in lacrosse, ESPN lacrosse, with my guy John Papadopoulos uh, on Thursday. Always have a lot of fun with him talking Brewers, talking Packers, Bucks. And we were talking about whether or not Packer fans have the right to be angry uh, and emotional about Aaron Rodgers essentially uh, taking a $35 million pay cut to help out the New York Jets salary cap situation, uh, especially when it comes to this upcoming season. And as we are recording this at around noon on Friday, it looks like Delvin Cook probably is going to sign with the New York Jets as he is there today. He has said earlier today on a program uh, that probably going to sign with the New York Jets. So he opens up room to bring in another running back. And of course, remember they have Hall coming off of a Torn ACL, and he was having a great rookie season uh, up until that point, the running back for the Jets. And now they'll have uh, two really good running backs for the Jets going into this season. And clearly they're in Super Bowl mode uh, with Aaron Rodgers, who now, based on this new contract that he has, pretty much is guaranteeing that he is going to play not only this year, but next season as well. And from a Packers fan standpoint, 
The only thing we probably should care about is the fact that he plays 65% or more of the snaps because then the Packers get uh, the Jets' first-round draft pick. That really is the most important thing. The one thing, as a Packer fan, you do not want to see happen is him get hurt. That would be not good, uh, not ideal. Uh, You want to take advantage of him playing 65% of the snaps or more and get that first-round pick because, again— This is a very young team. It's probably going to be one of the top five or top ten youngest teams in the National Football League once uh, rosters are all settled uh, and put out uh, on week one. I would imagine the Packers will be near the top as far as youngest teams go. And you're talking probably an average age of right around 26 or younger. 25 to 26 would be my guess. Uh, so a very young team. So draft picks are still going to be in key in play here for the Packers, and those kids are going to get a lot of playing time, just like the rookies are going to get a lot of playing time for the Packers this year. To be emotional and upset at Aaron Rodgers, is it justified? Sure. Yeah, you could say it's justified. Because while some will tell you, well, you know, he moved money around for the Packers to help him, uh, and he did what he could to help him. Right. But this is a $35 million pay cut. He he gave up, it looks like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like he gave up a bunch of money to give them a better chance of going to the Super Bowl. Now, maybe I missed the story when he was with the Green Bay Packers of him giving up a bunch of money to help out the Green Bay Packers. When we were having the conversation on the sports lead on Thursday, John Papadopoulos and myself, I brought it up to him. If the Packers, if he would have went to the Packers this last offseason and said, hey, not only do I want to stay, but I'm willing to redo my deal, save a bunch of money so you can go out and get some veteran wide receivers to come play with me in Green Bay. And let's do this, right? I'm going to give you the money to be able to go get a DeAndre Hopkins possibly or whoever to come in and help, and and let's really make a push at this for the next couple of years. Yeah, the young kids can play fine, but I want a couple of veteran established players, and I'm going to give you a bunch of money to essentially get that done. Would Green Bay, would would they have said, yep, we're in. Let's do this. Two more years with Aaron Rodgers. I I don't know if Brian Gutenkunst and Mark Murphy and Russ Ball and those guys would have done that deal or not. I tend to hedge towards the way of, no, it would not have mattered. Because they drafted Jordan Love, they want to see Jordan Love. If you do that deal, that means Jordan Love's entire five years as a Packer quarterback would have been as a backup, and now he heads into free agency, and he is going to be madder than all mad uh, if that's how this plays out. Never having gotten the start in five years, uh, it would have been not a mess from a standpoint of them winning, but you would have really wasted that draft pick uh, with Jordan Love if you accept that deal from Aaron Rodgers, even though it would have been in go-for-it mode with the Super Bowl. But as far as I know, Rodgers manipulated and moved money around a contract. I don't believe he actually ever legitimately took a pay cut like he did, according to reports, uh, for the New York Jets. Now, why do you ask? Why is he willing to do it for them and not for the Packers? Well, spite. Revenge. Knowing that you're old and your career is going to be done. I heard him talk the other day. I think he said he wants to play to 45 or something like that now. Okay, maybe he will. He looks like he's in great shape. He looks like uh, he's in really good shape getting ready to play for the Jets. All these hype videos, him throwing the ball to Garrett Wilson, all this stuff. Uh, and we know that there is a pretty significantly good chance that he is going to have an unbelievable year throwing the football. Because he is going to be locked in, similar to where he was, 
when they drafted Jordan Love to prove everybody wrong. And while he didn't trash the Packers necessarily uh, as much as Brett did, uh, which obviously is well-received, while it appears he treated Jordan Love better than maybe Favre treated Rodgers during that entire time, which again, also good, I would say. The news coming out about him texting Jordan Love before the first day of training camp, okay, that's fine, I guess. that that That's good. That made the news, and that's all great. The problem is, is that when we talk about uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, and our guy, Jordan Love, is Rodgers wants to take his team now, the Jets, to the Super Bowl. Is he technically rooting for Jordan Love to take his team to the Super Bowl? Probably not, but it doesn't really matter to him necessarily one way or the other because they're in the end of their conference. They won't see the Packers at all this year unless both teams make it to the Super Bowl. And boy, oh boy, how cool would that be? Jordan Love in his first year as a starter takes his team to a Super Bowl against Aaron Rodgers. That would be an amazing story. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. But why he took the money, I think it's too. He's, he's getting older. He knows he doesn't have much longer. Uh, so I think that's part of it. And I think the other part of it is to kind of spite the Green Bay Packers. I, I, I think it's both. He may disagree with me, but I, I think there's both things uh, involved when we talk about that from Aaron Rodgers' standpoint. Now, let's talk about what's going on with the Green Bay Packers at this point through the first couple of days of practice. I caught some heat, some legitimate heat from some of you on Twitter about what I tweeted on day one of training camp practice. I didn't think I did anything wrong. Like, I didn't tweet it out and go, oh boy, they're going to come at me on this one. Sometimes when you tweet something, you know, okay, you might catch some heat for something you're going to say because you know that maybe it's an unpopular opinion or there's a diehard fan base of a certain player that are going to come at you to protect their player or whatever. This was as harmless as possible. I just simply tweeted out that, hey, doesn't appear, according to reports, that Jordan Love had that great of a day for his first day of practice, and then I put, but it's only day one. Hashtag Packers. Okay. Well, guess what? Guess what? Everybody. Oh, my God. Do we have to do this? Do we have to do this again now? Do what again now? I'm just kind of summarizing what happened on day one. And then some of you are like, what reports? Guys, listen up. This is real nice and simple, right? These, you can follow whoever you want. 
But I'm telling you, Ryan Wood, Andy Herman, Rob Domoski, Wes Hotkowitz, Tom Silverstein, those are some of the guys, and I'm sure I'm missing others, but those are some of the guys that you're following during these training camp practices that are essentially kind of giving you play-by-play of what's going on. And when you're reading, Jordan Love misses high. Jordan Love ball floats, and it's batted down. Would have been a completion had he gotten the ball deeper, or whatever the case may be. And you read that consistently all through day one. He didn't play well. Now, comes the article in the Journal Sentinel. I think Tom Silverstein wrote it. And talking about, well, there was a strong wind. You know, he was he was throwing into a strong wind. What do you what what's there what's there really to do about it? You know, it it was just a tough deal. Fine. The next day comes Tuesday. Matt LaFleur comes to the podium. They ask him about the win. He goes, There was a win. Pretty much like I I'm not going to accept that as an excuse for Jordan Love not making those throws because this could be a game day. You still got to make the throws. You got to make the throws in whatever the conditions are given in front of you. If that was Aaron Rodgers, would he get the out of, well, he was throwing into a strong win? Probably not. I don't want to get into a situation as far as fans or media where we are reaching to give Jordan Levin out every time something goes wrong that's in his control. In this instance, you're throwing the football against the win. It's in your control to figure out to make the throws into that strong win. Uh, it's completely different if I throw an interception because the young receiver or tight end went the wrong way on a route and you threw it to where he was supposed to be and they went the other way. Okay, that's not your fault. That's on the receiver, fine. Give him the out. Give him the excuse of why that ball was intercepted. I'm okay with that. But let's not reach to try and and give him more excuses of why he didn't perform well. And now we come back to day two of practice. Now, again, recording this on Friday about noon, right? So day two of practice was Thursday. Now, day two of practice in the red zone, he made some throws. Were his numbers overall great? I think they were 5 of 15 or something like that. Overall numbers, not great. But if you go through and you read, this player dropped the ball. That player dropped the ball. That's not on him. Now, again, I didn't see it. So when you drop a ball, did it hit off your fingertips and that's a drop? Did it hit you in the hands and the chest? Like where the ball was, I don't think it really matters. Because if your hands touch the ball, then you should catch the ball. That's kind of my thinking on the whole thing. And they dropped some balls. So those numbers, if you just look at the numbers of completion versus incompletion, yeah, they're not the best. It won pretty. But some of that necessarily, again, wasn't on him if guys are dropping balls or guys are running the wrong way or whatever the case may be. What you do want here, in short order, they're going to go to pads on Monday for the first time because the NFL rule was can't practice in pads the first four days of training camp. A ramp up period to uh, avoid injuries. Uh, and Obviously, that still hasn't worked because Jalen Ramsey uh, hurt his knee. He's going to be out for a significant amount of time, if not the whole season. Joe Burrow hurt his calf, who, by the way, that was ridiculous. Joe Burrow's out there with a sleeve on his calf at practice for the Bengals. Obviously, they knew something wasn't right with that calf. And it's, what, the second day of training camp, and you're out there having him run around. There was no reason. It's training camp. Let him sit and watch until he doesn't have to have a sleeve on his calf to merge. Calf is 100%. Why would you risk your franchise quarterback out there running around doing that 
And it's a veteran-laden offense. He doesn't need that work in that first week at training camp. It was ridiculous. That's on the Bengals for having him out there and hurting his calf more than it was uh, previously. But there you go. I got sidetracked. Anyways, my, my point in all of this is, at some point here, now that we get pads on these players on Monday, because today was just a, a jog through inside going like 50% or whatever, once you get pads on Monday, I want a day next week where he just shows out. That, that's what I'm looking for. Give me a day where it's officially the Jordan Love day. He goes like, I don't know, 12 of 15 throwing and just looks unbelievable. Makes a couple of wild throws and everybody's jacked. That's what I want here in the next week or so. I'd like a Jordan Love day. Yes, it's cute. Oh, look, Jordan Love threw into a net. Woohoo! Yay, Jordan Love. You threw into net. Congratulations. That doesn't really get me all that excited. And I get it, right? We're all excited for somebody other than Aaron Rodgers to be the quarterback. And every little thing this dude does, you want to get super excited about and go, okay, okay, the Packers were right. This guy is good. This is what we're looking for. But I want a day where he just balls out. And the reason I want that is for a couple of reasons. Number one, I want it because I want everybody around him who they all say they buy in. And that's fine, and I'm good with that. But I want him to have a day to where they can all go to the reporters. That's what I'm talking about. That right there today, that's what we see. That's what he's going to do more of. This is our guy. He's going to be the guy this year, and you're going to see more of this throughout the season. I want one of those days where he just puts on a show and all the media reporters are like, dude, he he was good today. Like, if he's like that, this team's going to be all right. They need one of those days. Not only do they need one of those days, in my opinion, and Jordan Love's not lacking confidence. I'm not saying he is lacking confidence, but Jordan Love, I think, mentally, could also use one of those days where he could feel himself a little bit and be like, that's right. This is what I was telling y'all. This is how good I am. Now you saw it. I think for his confidence as well, he needs one of those days too. So hopefully when the pads go on Monday, he balls out one of these days. I mean Monday, but one of these days next week before we get to the inter-squad scrimmages coming up here in a couple of weeks. And the Bengals are going to be one of those. And obviously Joe Burrow may or may not be ready to play in that inter-squad scrimmage for the Bengals one way or the other. And if he doesn't play... That really kind of sucks, to be honest with you, because you wanted your defense to go against a top quarterback uh, and top offense like they have in Joe Burrow in those scrimmages. That's why you pick the teams you pick, right, to get that type of experience. Uh, but either way, we'll see how that whole thing plays out. Let's talk a little bit now about uh, what this Packers uh, first string team uh, looks like kind of going forward here uh, now that we've kind of seen it a little bit. Now, the one thing that we've known about uh, is the Packers receivers, right? Christian Wobbs, Wa- Christian Watson, there I can talk, and Romeo Dobbs are your starting wide receivers. They put the young kid, Jane Reed in there from Michigan State, they put him in as one of the starting three wide receivers. And they're doing end rounds with him, and they're doing different things. So it appears early on, things can change, that he's going to be that third wide receiver. So you have two guys that haven't played a full season at wide receiver yet, in Watson and Dobbs, and then you have a true rookie, uh, who's going to be that third wide receiver. And then you have two rookie tight ends, right, in Kraft uh, and Musgrave. They're going to get a significant amount of time playing at the tight end position. Said it before, say it again. This is going to be possibly tough sledding early on, making sure that these guys are all doing what they're supposed to be doing. And 
from a tight end perspective, it's not only catching the football and running the right route. For them, it's blocking. And you've already seen, based on some of these reports on Twitter from these Packer beat reporters, that Luke Musgrave, for instance, necessarily isn't the best run blocker as we start off here. And again, they're not in pads yet. So once we get in pads, we'll see a little bit uh, a little bit more. But a guy like Lucas Van Ness on day one was just all over the freaking place, all over the place, creating problems. They couldn't get the they couldn't get the running game going. Again, no path. They couldn't get the running game going in that first day. Wyatt, uh, who's the second year player out of Georgia, the first round pick from last year in the defensive line, he balls out. He had a good first day and has been very active on the front line through two days. Uh, and then again, like I said, uh, Lucas Van Ness also playing really well. Lucas Van Ness may end up being the starter. Opposite of Preston Smith, if Rashawn Gary isn't ready to go uh, in week one, he's either going to be him or Engabare, uh, the kid from South Carolina last year. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But those rookies, from a run blocking perspective and pass blocking perspective, are going to have to do their job as much as it is from running routes and catching the football. Because if you want to run the ball as much as you say you do, you can't be missing blocks, whether you be the running back or the wide receiver. You have to do that correctly. Uh, as much as when you're passing the football. So uh, we'll see how that plays out, but that's definitely something I think to keep an eye on going forward. The other thing that I'm very, um, I'm not going to say concerned about, but I'm intrigued by. David Bakhtiari, the Packers All-Pro left tackle, who after this year, I think uh, they have every opportunity to trade or whatever they want to do with him, uh, is not going to practice probably a whole bunch. They're going to pick their spots of when to practice him because they want to keep him healthy. And that's totally understandable, and I understand that, uh, and I get that. But Yash Nyman now has been playing at left tackle early on, and Zach Thomas playing at right tackle early on. Matt LaFleur was asked about this during the press conference on Thursday, or I should say Friday morning, today's Friday, Friday morning about that, and Matt LaFleur pretty much said, no matter where I've been as a coach, we've always cross-trained our offensive linemen. So we could pretty much have the five best offensive linemen on the field. So if one guy gets hurt, this guy slides here. The next best offensive lineman can come in here, play wherever, uh, and you're all set. I hope going forward that we see these roles switched uh, once we get pads on, right? So on days Bakhtiari doesn't play, you're going to have nine minute left tackle and time and right tackle. Fine. Well, then let's switch it. It, it. Let's switch it week to week, and let's see who really is the better left tackle uh, or the better right tackle. Because we know Yash Nyman can play left tackle, and we've seen a little bit of Zach Tom uh, over the course of time play everything along the offensive line seemingly last year. He was like Elton Jenkins last year playing all over the place. Um, but I, I think that's worth exploring, too, for two reasons. One, in case Bakhtiari obviously gets hurt, right? You want to know who you're who your tackles are going to be in what positions. But two, and more importantly than one, is can Zach Tom be that next left tackle, possibly, after David Bakhtiari is done after this year, if they decide to move on from David Bakhtiari, which I completely expect them uh, to do. Or is Yash Nyman that guy that is going to be that next left tackle after David Bakhtiari? And if Yash Nyman is going to be that guy, do you give him an extension uh, right off the bat now at a much cheaper cost, not knowing where he's you know, he doesn't know where he's going to play, but you just go to him in your mind knowing you're going to be my left tackle. The next three to five years when we move on from Bakhtiari, you've proved it to us. Uh, and go to him and go, hey, look, we want to give you an extension here and whatever the rate may be without telling him the full plan of what actually is going to happen in the next year and move forward from there. Or is Zach Tom that guy uh, that is going to be that future left tackle? Because you want to know kind of where you sit 
going into next year's draft as well. And I can already hear a lot of you listening like, oh my God, Sparky, we haven't even kicked off week one and you're already talking about the draft and next offseason. Sure, but as a general manager and as a head coach, you always have to be thinking big picture. There is some short-term, obviously, game planning for an opponent on a week and whatever. That's all short-term. But when you're in training camp, and you have the ability to maneuver guys across different positions, this is when you can think some big picture, as well as short-term, as far as what this kind of may look like if and when David Bakhtiari moves on. He's really the only guy left uh, that is going to move on. All the other older players, they're gone on offense. There's nobody left, right? Elton Jenkins still has a a heck of a lot of time left. Elton Jenkins is probably going to be your left guard for the next however many years, is my guess. Or... If if it's going to be okay, Yash Nyman's at left tackle going forward, Zach Tom's a right tackle, he fine. He's then he's he's all good at left guard. But if it's gonna be, yeah, we're gonna move on from Yash Nyman. Uh Elton Jenkins is going to be left tackle. Zach Tom's gonna slide into guard, and now we're gonna go draft a right tackle, right? That may be a possibility uh, as well. We've seen Elton Jenkins uh play left tackle in the past and, and have his run there. So maybe it's finding out if either of these two guys are better than Elton Jenkins, or maybe you've already made up your mind that Elton Jenkins is for the next 10 to 15 years, going to be your left guard, uh, and you have no interest in moving him uh, to tackle after having seen him play. Remember last year, he struggled at right tackle when he had an opportunity to play, but again, he was coming off of injury. So that that was part of it as well, as far as kind of shaking that rust off going forward. So the offensive line, still uh, some intrigue there as far as what this is going to look like. Uh, Running backs, not much intrigue there. We kind of know what that looks like. Uh, going forward as far as with Dylan and Jones and then the depth behind that. On the defensive side of the ball, I really want to see the inner squad scrimmages. I'm not as worried or concerned about what they look like against the Packers' young offense, right? I think it's good for the Packers' young offense to be going against Jair Alexander, to be going against Devondre Campbell and some of these vets. It's good for them. I'm not quite sure the Packers' defense gets as much out of it as the Packers' offense does. This training camp, but where the Packers defense will learn and will get better is when you get to the inner squad scrimmages, when you play a team like the Bengals, like we talked about earlier, hopefully Joe Burrow can play. That's really when you can see, okay, what is this defense really going to look like? Is at the end of last year where they played really well, not against great quarterbacks, but they played much better after that bye week last year. Can they continue that into this season now and continue playing at a higher level? Who are the starting safeties going to be? What does that look like? You've got a couple of free agent safeties in here that you signed uh, in the offseason. Plus, you've got the guys returning kind of from last year as well with uh, Ford and Savage coming back. That is a competition that I think everybody is intrigued by seeing how that safety position uh, plays out. Outside of that, I think everything else is pretty much set on the defensive side of the ball outside of who's going to be the two starting safeties uh, in week one for the Green Bay Packers. I want to touch on one other thing. Uh, before we move on uh, and before we wrap up uh, this podcast. Sean Payton uh, of the Denver Broncos with a full-on attack of Nathaniel Hackett, who was the old Packers uh, offensive coordinator, who then took the Denver Broncos head coaching job. They brought him in, I think, because they thought they could lure Aaron Rodgers there as well. That never ended up working out, but they ended up with Russell Wilson. Nathaniel Hackett, after having worked with Aaron Rodgers, felt like, Okay, the best way to deal with the star quarterback is to let the star quarterback have his way, and that's how you'll get the most out of your star quarterback. Well, that's essentially what Hackett did, it sounds like, including Russell Wilson having a little posse rocking around the complex and being on team planes and all this other nonsense. 
uh, that was going on. It got completely out of control. Uh, Peyton pointed out they were one of the worst in the NFL as far as getting plays into the huddle into Russell Wilson on time. That was a disaster. And he ridiculed and ripped them for like one of the worst coaching jobs ever is what he said. Was it one of the worst, worst coaching jobs ever? I don't know. Outside looking in, it looked like it. Looked pretty bad. Russell Wilson took a lot of heat. Now, if Russell Wilson comes back this year with Sean Payton and plays back to the level he was in Seattle, then it's going to make Hackett and that coaching staff look even worse than they do already. Hackett now, by the way, with the New York Jets, who Payton also took aim at, saying, man, these hard knock teams never really do all that well. So good luck to them and good luck to the Jets. But usually when hard knocks is involved, it never turns out all that well at the end. So now Robert Sala has to respond in his press conference like, why are you talking about us for? Y'all don't play us till week four, but, you know, haters going to hate whatever. Okay, fine. Why did Sean Payton decide to do what he did when he did it? That, that really is the question. Was it off the cuff? Was it frustration? Was it telling everybody how much of a mess he really was walked into? Kind of giving himself a little bit of time if things get started off bad early on of, Man, I told y'all this was a mess. It's going to take me a little bit to fix this mess, but by the end of the year, we'll be rolling. Was it that to kind of take heat off himself if it doesn't start off well? Or was it a situation where he simply wanted to take heat off of his star quarterback, Russell Wilson? Was that all this simply was? Of don't look at Russell Wilson. Don't put the spotlight on him. Don't focus on what he looks like. Come hate on me. Be mad at me, right? All your attention, comes to Sean Payton, not at Russell Wilson. That gives Russell Wilson some breathing room and this offense and this team some breathing room. Take all the heat on yourselves. How many times? Now remember, Sean Payton, he's a Bill Parcells protege. That's what this dude is. Came from the Bill Parcells school, right? Well, Bill Parcells did that a lot, right? Mike did come back in the day for the Bears. Did that a lot. Where you take the heat, you say something outrageous or dumb or stupid or whatever. You know what you're doing, but you're doing it to take pressure off of your players. So they're not talking about your team struggling. They're not talking about a player struggling. Instead of that being the talk about your team, now they're talking about you and how much they're mad at you. That makes sense. If that's what he did. If that's not what it was, and he decided to go personal attack on Hackett and that coaching staff, that's wrong, man. That's wrong on so many levels. The one thing I learned over the course of time with Gary Ellerson and Leroy Butler doing the Wendy's Big Show is, well, I learned a lot of things, but one of the things I learned was the fraternity, the brotherhood of being on a team, being a part of a locker room, being a part of professional sports. And there's things you do and things you don't do. There are certain things that never get out of a locker room that are supposed to stay in the locker room. Now, over the course of the last five to ten years, has that happened necessarily? Nope. Hasn't been pretty. Has not. But the one thing that should happen is a guy that's been in the profession, as long as Sean Payton has been in the profession, you don't do that. Were guys firing on Sean Payton, all their head coaches for Bowdingate? For Greg Williams and all that crap that happened back in the day? Where guys going, man, Sean Payton, what a clown. What a clown organization he's running over there. Allowing that crap to go on in his presence. What an idiot. Were other head coaches saying that? Because if they were, I don't remember that. I don't remember people taking shots at Sean Payton around the league. And I know damn right well Nathaniel Hackett wasn't taking public shots uh, at Sean Payton back in the day when he was undergoing Bonnie Gate. 
So I'm really not sure why else, other than taking some pressure off of Russell Wilson or giving himself some breathing room if things start slow, why you would take a personal shot at the dude. Like, I don't know if there's bad blood between those two, that they know each other and somebody's been running their mouth about the other one behind the scenes and now he saw his opportunity to take a shot at him. I have no idea. But that was pretty ruthless, uh, what he did, without question. And he also stoked the flame of the Jets a little bit. Because remember, Aaron Rodgers' boy is Nathaniel Hackett. That's why Hackett's in New York with the Jets. So I promise you, Aaron Rodgers and that Jets team, they're going to be fired up to take on the New York Jets when they see them on their schedule. What is that, week four, week five, uh, whatever it is on the schedule. Uh, that game should have meant nothing. Shouldn't have been a big deal. Jets, Broncos, that's nice. Good couple old quarterbacks. Yeah, that'd be a fun game. Now, now it's going to be circled with stars all around it of everybody. Can't wait to play back the Sean Payton audio, uh, to play back the Robert Sala audio, and then see what happens actually in the game. And you know all the questions that Nathaniel Hackett will have to answer going into that game. Rodgers will have to answer. Payton at that point, this will all get brought up again. He'll have to talk about it because that's all the TV guys are going to want to talk about. I don't even know if that game's on ESPN or if it's a primetime game or not, but whoever has that game from a TV network standpoint, that's going to be what they're going to want to talk about without question. So, that should be fun, but we'll see. I, I was taken aback by those Sean Payton comments for sure. All right, we'll be back at it again on Monday. First full pra- padded practice on Monday as well, and we'll wait to record until after the padded practice so uh, we know what happened there. Ryan Horvath, myself, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Normally, you can download it by 5 p.m. Central Time each one of those three days. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a good one. Toodles!